show brought to you by the Coastal Electronauts here in Whitstable. My name is Peter Coit, coming to you from the Sonic Shed and I'm joined in the studio across town by co-presenter Clive Walpole. Evening Clive. Hello Peter from my vibrating uh, uh, synth cave. Well tonight we have a special guest who started with 80 synth band B-Movie who featured on the legendary Some Bizarre compilation album with Depeche Mode, Soft Cell, the Blamange, um, he's written for Dido, Pete Murphy, his celebrated songwriter, producer, and all round good guy, Paul Statham. Welcome, Paul. I would have said that about you, you see. <laughs> you wouldn't have. I would. <laughs> oh, cheers. <laughs> yeah, I remember him. He's an all round good guy. Oh, cheers, yeah. Paul. So, yeah, well, I was just saying we first met, well, last time I saw you, maybe you might have been in the uh, that cupboard at the Beethoven Street studio. With your... I got really <laughs> ill in there. Um, it's a desperation to find somewhere to work. I think I must have been a bit mean. I was actually earning a little bit of money, but the cost of studio rooms were just massive. Yeah. Then, you know, and John Wadlow Beethoven Street said you can that you can use the t- tape cupboard to keep the tapes in. Yeah. <laughs> they all out. There was a spring reverb in there as well, wasn't there? It was just the <laughs> tiniest. It, well, it can't have been any more than a metre and a half across. You couldn't even, it wasn't even the width of, you had to be careful what keyboard you used. <laughs> in. We're talking about 1990 something. 95 or 1990. Yeah. <laughs> no. I stick in there because of the, the bass frequencies. I suddenly keeled over with, felt really, really ill, and I had to go outside and I realised it was the, it was actually the frequencies of it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably for sound. And then a lack of lack of vitamin D probably as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my! In there with your old E-Mac. So you bought some some of some of your tracks you've chosen that have influenced you and some of your own as well the people you work with and some something you've written um tend to be, the, the tracks that i've given you tend to be really current i haven't chosen anything from um, a while ago i mean i really should have oh god i really should have thought about this peter murphy all night long would have been a great bloody track oh we do part two part two yeah <laughs> maybe we start off with something very recent that you've made with uh, some experimental synth stuff with uh, uh, Magnus Fines. What is this? Deep Machines is the name of the project. Hmm. Um, it was conceived by my. Actually, I have a huge, massive, huge respect for Magnus Fines. I've known him for absolutely years, probably 15, 20 years. Um, and he produced a track and written for Dot Allison, who used to be a school in Wanda, and they meant to be focused for Massive Attack for, for a while. Mm. A song called Close Your Eyes, which was her debut single for Arista. Mm. Uh, Magnus produced it, and then I worked on Free Phonics with him. That's a TV show that he had. Oh, yeah. A cartoon thing. And then uh, I met him loads. We were signed to one of and I loved, loved him. He's a real kind of guy. He lights up a room. <laughs> to that guy, he looks, he's having all the bloody fun. He does look like he's having fun, and he does have a lot of fun. 
Mm. And then I called him a few years ago, not having having much fun. <laughs> I thought he would like to go to LA really and uh, and see Magnus. So I, I posited on, over a chat this idea of what about uh, what are you doing? And he was doing Death in Paradise, which he still does actually the, the music for. I just said I really been listening to old craft work stuff. Uh, I would love to have that kind of detachment they have, this sort of European detachment of, of, of songwriting. And, but I'd like to feed it through some more sort of LCD sound system and some Daft Punk. And we were just talked about old records that we loved. Yeah. At the end, it's like, we've got to do something. Yeah. Just, uh, the next chance I got, I flew out to this place in LA, which is an amazing place. And we just, we conceptualised for a month. Lovely. Yeah, um, lovely conceptualising. What is Deep Machines? What are we trying to do? What is the sound here? But he did actually produce something in the end. 20 tracks all finished um, mm -hmm. in various stages. It's just, it's just what do we do with them? <laughs> you know, Magnus is a think big. I, I think more punky, like let's just bang them out. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to meet someone in the middle and we have a game plan. Right. Um, I have another project called The Dark Flowers, hmm. which is a different thing altogether, I'll explain that later. But I said to Magnus, look, I'm, I'm looking to do to get someone to do remixes, so why don't we do a remix of my own project via my other project with you, Deep Machines? So that the Deep Machines remix of Death Valley 69 will be our first release. Then we're going to put out a track called The Glimmer on vinyl, and then we have an EP ready to go. And we're going to start releasing stuff. It's marvellous. Let's play a bit of this uh, Purity Spiral then. Have a, have, have a listen. What's, what have you been up to? Gave you the fruit of my seed Gave you the sweat off my back But when they stop that tick-tock ticking clock there's no turning back I told a dirty joke You told me those jokes are dead And the way you make me feel Well, that's only in my head Now the kids are uptight
banger. Start with me. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Cool. No, I like that. Very, oh, great. Very, very moggy bases there. Like yeah. It's um, lovely sounding, lovely produced as well. It's that's that's the the demo. I think we've we've yet to nail the final mixes on any of this, but that's both mm. we've got really. Oh. Um, we're doing it vocals ourselves. That is. I was going to ask. Yeah. Mainly on vocals. The idea we 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 kind of go backwards and forwards. It's like. Do we want to be in a band? Do we want to be the focus point at our age? Like, then we do, then we don't. Then we do, then we don't. And, and um, I think now we might be in a rescinding our, our um, giving up the spotlight a little bit. But uh, we're looking for to feature some guest vocalists on some of the stuff. Yeah. But I think it's got a great tone in, in the voice of Magnus on that. And oh, yeah. It's all about the energy. Mm. I really don't care about what the public perception is no. about anything. You know, we're living in a world where you can make fantastic morphing and glitch videos. You, you could put together an amazing video for that. Basically, we're, we're treating it more as an art project than a band. Yeah. That's the thing we don't want to be. We, doesn't, we don't want to see this as a band. A group. Yeah. It's kind of, we want to bring in other people to collaborate. We want to bring in, we want to give the stems away. We want, we want to form a Duke Machines collective. Oh. Um, oh, that's good. We have lots of ideas for it. Wow, that's very exciting. Yeah, I thought the vocal performance was amazing. I just, uh, you yeah, know, that's so much energy there, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, should we, um, should we step back a bit to your influence then, going back to. Well, it's in 1974, was it, to Craftwork um, Autobahn? Yeah, Autobahn was, um, was, uh, was, uh, was me and my tiny mining village of Shirebrook. Um, terrible sleeping. I used to sleep bad. Little pit house, you know, her vibe. You know the vibe. There's a few around here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There. And when I when I heard that it had a sort of soporific effect, it was like it used to send me to sleep. Mm. I absolutely you know, I was I was coming from, from, from T Rex world mm -hmm. and um, early Bowie world and, and stuff like that. And when I heard this I drag I used to drag it, put it on my record player and balance the record player on a table next to my bed. <laughs> and I would just lose myself in it. I, I didn't know I don't know where I actually got the album from. I think <laughs> I like the cover. Yeah. A beautiful blue. Oh yeah, it's really uh, blue and brown. So distinctive, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I bought some Sid Booths on the old record shop. I knew Kraftwerk were, but I didn't know what to expect. It's, I kind of, I lose connection with the person that I used to be. I think I, was, I used to be quite experimental in. in I, I think we all do that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get inside that head of that younger yeah. man. Why did you go? What, what made you buy that Kraftwerk album? Mm. Yeah, yeah. What did you get from it? I, I remember just getting lost in the narrative of the music. Yeah. More than anything else, oh, I thought it was a beautiful introduction. To mm. Wasn't there? You know, the, I think the, the bigger albums. Remember that it was the third or fourth album. They did, uh, they're two very strange albums. One has Kraftwerk, where it was a much more... Yeah, Florian, uh, Florian and... <coughs> they were using the flutes and some mm. experimental. Mm. Actually, probably more experimental in a strange way. <coughs> oh, yeah, there's early ones. Yeah. So I think it was a bit more like Amon Dual stuff, wasn't it? Their very early stuff. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were coming off that 
Dusseldorf and all those. Well, the, 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 the um, what do you call it? The uh, Krautrock scene, wasn't it? Mm. And, uh, very art, yeah. sort of distinctive and uh, unique to that sort of, to, to Germany, basically, wasn't it? Dusseldorf. It was different. Mm. It was ignoring the uh, sort of American and uh, British sort of um, influences. Well, they had to. I mean, uh, uh, the alternative, if, if you agree, was Schlager, which is the, probably the worst sort of music known to man, which is a sort of German M.O.R., <laughs> which is so kind of cringingly um, dreadful. Mm. That where could they go? You know, they, they were still... I don't know, they were very, uh, by nature of, of, of still coming from the effect of people's perceptions of them and, and, and the war even, that mm. they, they were very insular. Mm. But they, they, they looked inwards and they kind of formed their own music scene, really. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What's up listening to Autobahn? My craft work. We'll edit, edit it a bit.
see how it is sort of comforting, you know, that the sound of it is very uh, sort of uh... um, yeah, to somebody who never really that, that preceded my my Eno um, kind of light bulb moment, my Eno sort of um, revelation. Hmm. I just even even listening to that then when that filter opens up on the, on, on on the bass, I still. Yeah. Hmm. Hearing it for the first time ever. Yeah. Sounds like a moon filter yeah. opening up on something. And I just thought this is this is much more emotional to me than anything I've I've heard. Yeah. And they have this really unusual way of writing. They'd always modulate up. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. You know, a lot of people don't do that. We'll get <laughs> we'll get them out of there, we'll just move that everything up. Yeah. Let's go up. Let's go here. We'll go back Yeah. It's just really, yeah. it's a little cheesy to be honest. It's a little bit, but in that is its own sort of intrinsic weirdness. Yeah, I really loved, uh, um, and I like the idea of the journey. There were parts of it that you know you've got to get over the. It's a very long, like nineteen. I don't know how long it is, but it's a very long track. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but the sounds. Uh, and it all came back to me just then hearing it. Mm. Funny when you hear it in a situation like this, you totally mm. more. Yeah, it. listening together is a different, it's a different experience, isn't it? Really is. I really enjoy <laughs> that listening in your company. <laughs> um, no, so we... The rhythms, the rhythms of it were, uh, you know, and, and the balance of the sounds was. It was so well. It was so it well. Was sort of very clean. Balanced. Yeah. 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 Phaser and everything. Everything had its place. Yeah. yeah. Very dramatic, yeah. really. You know, very, yeah. Keeping is very good. Yeah. But well, I, was, I was deeply into Tangerine Dream, and then I heard this as well, and I thought, well, yeah, it's all quite a juxtaposition of sounds between the two, and yet, yet they're you know, both coming from sort of the same roots. You know. Yes. I was listening to Radioactivity today. Mm. I was playing with my students. <laughs> I just forced my opinions on them. <laughs> I directed them to All Music, which I love, which is a sort of American website where they tend to give it an overview of albums. So I was letting them choose an album of their own favourite artist mm. and write a song that they feel could fit on that album. So to get an overall aesthetic of any album, All Music is a very good place to give you an overall view of where the artist was at in their head when they were making that album. All right. mm. So I kind of channeled them there, and then they, they give you a list of key tracks. So I, I used um, Radioactivity as, as my album, and um, played it, made them listen to a couple of Kraftwerk tracks. Yeah. <laughs> the day, actually. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it's well, it's, it's, it's essential. It's essential for any learning. I mean, that's the sort of beginning of of uh, hip-hop and everything as well, isn't it? Like the, the electro. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> the Patrick and Mabata sample dermal. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've, I've spent ages, a couple of years ago, sampling the hell out of Kraftwerk and, and just chopping them up and making my own proper Kraftwerk drum samples. I was mm. looking for, you know, sampled online. I thought, well, you've got all the albums. <laughs> and there's so much stuff where they just start with the beat. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yes, right. It's just perfect, isn't it, for that for sampling? And they have a great thing where they use two drum kits and they they pan them left and right, mm -hmm. kind of counter rhythms, which I found fascinating to get into. You know, they, they didn't have that much technology, I guess, in uh, compared to what we have now. But 
They just use simple mm -hmm. things like that. Well, they made a lot of their kit, didn't they? I mean, yeah. Yeah, they the, drum, the uh, drums were... Stuff they made. And they're very, yeah. they're very good yeah. musicians. They were, they're, 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 you know trained musicians as such you know and mm. that they knew what they're doing and it was uh, chosen very carefully even if it was minimalist yeah one of the other choices that i'd like to play next i think it's related in a way because uh i mean Crawford used to sort of imp improvise and play for a long time and so did uh, i mean philip glass as well and with his ensemble he used to play for like all day like days on end with his ensemble people used to come in and out of the performances mm. yeah. um and that and that work that he did with the ensemble, it turned into the um, the Einstein on the Beach uh, opera, which is, uh, you know, as I said, I've mentioned before, there's a fantastic documentary still on, on BBC about a Philip Glass taxi driver, because he was still he was still really? working working as a taxi driver when the Einstein <laughs> on the Beach was at was in was it was playing at the uh, um, wow, in New York. Put mm. out for years ago, oh. and I, I couldn't read it. It's just, it's just so intellectually heavy. Oh, we well, listen to that. It's about just half an hour. Sort of documentary is really. I'd like to, to watch that. Yeah, I think it's related in that way to where it's repetitive and there's some, there's some uh, cross rhythms and uh, uh, polyrhythms, and it's a matter of sort of zoning in on the uh, music yeah. rather than. A three-minute pop song. Good, yeah. Good thing to listen to the voices. How they, how, how the voices carry the room. Yeah. Two, three, four. Four, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, seven. Get those four balls away from the kitchen. These are the days, my friends, and these are the days, my friends. 
and stuff there was and it's you're in for, you're in for the long haul with the philip glass especially in the early days mm. it's amazing the effect it can have on you as a young person I, you know i was listening to that in again in, in my grandma's house <laughs> again it's in the same little mining village and it might have been david bowie on something being interviewed by somebody playing his favorite or playing some influential tracks mm. and honestly I, i'm fascinated about how these obscure tracks can feed their way through via the radio waves into this tiny house in, in a council, you know, <laughs> a pit estate somewhere, yeah. form how you see music. Yeah. It, it makes me smile thinking, <laughs> I, again, I'd love, to, I'd love to 
get back into my very my young head and think what what did I think that made me remember that so vividly I'm just think entranced by these voices yeah mm. and there was a real learning curve came in that brief in a brief period of time with, via the Kraftwerk album hearing that and hearing you know as another green world those three those three pieces of music really shaped it's almost like this imprinted something on my brain well they are they I mean it's strange like the there are avant-garde artists, really, who have sort of uh, gone into the mainstream somehow. How they have, mm. and they reach, they reach to you and reach, reach all sorts of places, didn't they? It made me visualise music in a different way. I started to see music as like colours and textures, and, and I was talking about this to some students there, saying it's really funny. It's like when we talk about analysing, how do we analyse the song? I still see it as I did when I was a fourteen-year-old boy. I see it as mm. textures. Mm. Yes. And colours. I, I don't see it as chords. I just see this, and I can almost shut my eyes and feel how it balances in my mind. Yeah. What <laughs> colours go where, and it was just through that. Um, maybe that. Maybe the it sort of. You know, really was, was the was the mm. one really. Yeah. Kind of. Just rather stamp that attitude in, in a way. Hmm. Was it, let's play a, um, the Brian Eno track you've you've chosen, then, which is quite a recent one. A big ship from um, uh, was it a couple? Was it a couple of years ago it was released? No, no, no. This is this is from Another Green World. Which, was it? Oh, sorry. Uh, no, you're thinking of the sh the ship, uh, yeah. which is a, a, a new release. Yeah, from mm. a couple of years ago. Ah, right. Yeah. Mm. This is classic Eno. I'll tell you why before you play it because. There's a hymn, there's a hymnal-like quality to Eno's chord progressions on this that I've copied throughout my entire life. Even <laughs> writing pop songs, I've just thought that this chord progression is just so beautiful. Mm. And I was just kind of sucked into this world of it. I just loved it. Oh, I can't wait to listen to it then. A big ship.
He's famously untechnical, isn't he? He's not really mm. into gear as such, he's just into ideas. Yeah, I'm just I'm just rereading his his diary, a year with Spoil and Appendix, which is like fantastic. And mm. <laughs> it's just I've read the biography of Far Away Beat, which is great. Mm. I became absolutely absolutely obsessed by it, you know. Mm. Uh, I I listened to to that. Well, I I, I got in with a bunch of ne'er do wells, we should say, really from coming from that sort of uh, mining village background, and I heard that. When I was quite young, that somebody's flat really probably a bit out of it, and, and <laughs> just was kind of like a light went on. It was like, God, mm. this whole album is actually taking me to a completely different world. And then years later, my first ever trip to the States with B Movie, 1981, I found myself on uh, a beach in LA. <laughs> Again, a little worse for wear. I can't remember the time. I think the sun was setting. If, if you've never seen the sunset over the bloody Pacific, it's 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 kind of magnificent. Mm, we get a good one here in Whitstable. We do. <laughs> sunset <laughs> over Sheppey. Cut my cloth to suit my knees, and I'd be very happy to live in Whitstable. <laughs> <laughs> but lit, playing that album mm. on a beach, it, it, I, I'm feeling mm. far away from home. Yeah. I was only 20 at the time and still living in this little mining village and playing that, that music on and mm. the sunset over the Pacific. Oh. Just, just everything just made me think music is it's very possible to, to, to create and conjure incredible emotions and mm. different worlds through, mm. through sonics and now I go back and think, did you really feel that? Or did you? Or was it just a piece of bloody music? It's four chords, you know? No, but it's the... It's the hey, boy, sorry. You know, it's just, <laughs> that, you know? Well, it's a moment in time. <laughs> Here's a moment in time that's just captured, isn't it? With this, and, yeah. and the music enhances it. And, and well, place and... Yeah, place and music go together, don't they? When you hear something for the first time. Mm. In that particular album, Robert Fripp did some amazing work on it. Uh, mm. And in that, you can almost hear the, the Nascent Eno's production on the Joshua Tree. Yeah, I was going to say that. You can hear the start of With or Without You. you can, yeah, yeah. You, know, uh, uh, you can hear what he took to the next album, which was Low, with Bowie. Oh, wow, well, yeah. Mm. So that mm. coming in to it, especially the idea of you know, five, seven instrumentals, five vocal tracks. Yeah. Seems more vocal tracks, really, in hindsight, when you listen back to it. Actually, no, there's only five tracks with vocals. Mm. And Eno has a lovely voice. He has this beautiful, weird, <laughs> straight-ahead tone that <laughs> yeah. to harmonise with himself. <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a quiet taste sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, go, let's hit with Eno, with, uh, with David Bowie then, from Lowe. Into low, yeah. Yeah, because that's that. Uh, obviously, he brought uh, Fripp with him with that as well, didn't he? Yes, yeah, he did. Uh, exactly. Um, 
there's a there's a lot of discussion about Eno's um, the Berlin trilogy. You know, this was actually recorded in France, Chateau d'Ereville, I think it was. Right. Uh, uh, low was it was mixed in the small room at Hansa, in right. and that's when Bowie first saw the huge room uh-huh. that was booked out. So he went back and recorded Heroes in uh-huh. the huge room. So this Berlin, and the Lodger wasn't recorded there at all. Lodgers were recorded in Switzerland, and in Montreux. Right. Tiny little room, but again, it was mixed up. up. I, I don't know even whether it was even mixed in Berlin, but it became part of the of the Berlin trilogy, if you like. Uh, right, yeah. And Eno really did bring a lot to, to this mm. album. Yeah. If, if only attitude and an experimental approach to composition. Yeah, amazing. And it's a mass, um, gave him a massive platform, didn't it, as well? Yeah. So this is um, always crashing in the same car. Every chance, every chance that I take.
they sound. Well, those textures in there. Really Lots of textures in there. I yeah, was probably yeah. brave back then to make a record like that, especially if you're following something like Station to Station, you're mm. American. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sonically, you shut your eyes and you're in all sorts of different spaces. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. It's drifting here, there you go. There somewhere, <laughs> it was in your face, and Ricky Pardo was, was, was a guitarist uh, who glued that track together. I remember I was into with Carlos Alomar saying, we just couldn't fit all these parts together and then it was the lead guitar that kind of played continually mm. yeah ah. glued it all together um really good nice phaser on that as well mm. got the, the even tied harmonizer the well as i say every, i mean probably everything you like and sounding wise it comes down to the even tide doesn't it <laughs> from uh from bowie to sort of joy division and you know all sorts of things this country turns over his head you know you know bowie what's he doing it fucks with the fabric of time it does we're in on the snare do do yeah it's great you know it's just refeeding it back in and re-pitching it every yeah. There's just something of class about great things that are handmade like that. There's not software that functions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. A handmade unit that's got working parts in it, and, and yeah. just and, and that to me is, is in the playing as well. There's this, there's this kind of real tightness of playing of musicians that are obviously at the top of their game as session musicians and. Mm. It's just something that you can't fake. Yeah. It's something that you can't fake, and yeah, it's fantastic. It just comes together. Mm. So moving on a little bit uh, to uh, an early Ultravox. Well, is it the third album, Systems of Romance? Yeah. Which who? I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're. I mean, they're totally Bowie uh, influenced by, um, and John Fox. John Fox was still the lead singer at the time. His last album was John Fox. John Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I met John Fox at the Porterhouse. The Ultravox were in their punky ha 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 days. Yeah. I just went on to go and think you're great. Obsessed with this with this band, how they mixed guitars and synths together. Yeah. Uh, especially Robin Simon, the guitarist on System of Romance. Um, uh, hmm. Connie Plank produced it. Oh, yeah, another Berlin, uh, well, Mer uh, no, Dusseldorf or uh, Connection. Yeah. This, this kind of symbiosis of guitars and moogs and mm. strings and everything, it, it, they all collide together. Mm. But powered by this incredibly tight drummer, Warren Camp. Yeah. Uh, it's very motoric in the beat, so you, you, you've got a lot of elements of, of the early sort of uh, Dusseldorf music, crowd rock, <laughs> dreadful, mm. um, <laughs> in there, you know. And, and for me, Ultravox is just sort of just um, after this, it's just gone, you know. It's, uh, yeah. I'd love to have heard the next album on from System of Roman. Oh dear, well, mm. Metamatic. John Fox yeah. Metamatic was a, is, a, is a, just a ma one of my favourite albums ever. Great. <laughs> that's a brilliant album. But, yeah. Great album. <laughs> so this is uh, Just For A Moment by Ultravox. Talking in the window as the light fades 
And it's so, so familiar. Yeah, that's really nice. That, that, that was amazing. I'll tell quite you what, daring that with the sort of discordant piano as well. Yeah, that lovely break. So unexpected that break. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you what, listening to it, I think it's a precursor to Vienna, isn't it? Really similar sort of heart, heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never noticed that before. No, yeah. it just occurred to me listening to it, but oh, it's brilliant. Well, there's a sort of clash of uh, lyrical romanticism in it that I love, John Fonda. Mm. Mm. It kind of creates a world... I mean, he lyrically creates a world like Eno creates a world musically. Yeah. It's a strange world that's of this world, but not in it. You're kind mm. of like, wow, what is this shimmering, glimmering, strange world where lights are dappling and this... You know, mm. I've always <laughs> the quiet man, actually. Yeah. Um, which is beautiful. He's been talking about this book, for, this, this character called The Quiet Man, which is actually on Sisters of Romance. The, the, yeah. 
Um, but he's released, finally released a book of short stories last month, which is beautiful. Oh, really? During his fictional depiction of The Quiet Man as a sort of time-travelling suit, grey suit mm. character that moves through endless colonnades. It's, it's basically a... Uh, uh, um, an expansion of his lyrics with wow, short stories. Oh, I'd like to read that. <laughs> Very good. And it's a beautiful hardback, a lovely cover, and aesthetically it's mm. very, uh, it's very on point, really. On point? Reflex. It's a very good book. There's <laughs> a, um, the next, well, that leads into the next one, actually, the uh, Hannah Peel. She's worked. She she worked with um, John Fox. Uh, yes. Uh, she worked in the. Contact us when we looking for uh, people for the Dark Flowers project. The uh, um, guest focus on so Lutter. She actually it's before she she suddenly has a had an ascendancy with uh, into composition and string arrangements and things. Prior to that, she was just releasing really experimental. Albums. I think Paul Weller has brought her in to do uh, a lot of work on his last album. Um, I think she's become very popular. Yeah, she's mm. a, she's a she's a regular on the Radio Six end there, isn't she? And uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, and she's on a bit. Of, Sorry. I love the electronica in this track. I, I love yeah. the actual bounce. I see it's more about the rhythms that she uses, the kind of rhythms of the sequencers and, and sort of rhythms of drum. It creates a very, very hmm. pleasing sort of rhythmic journey. And it, getting arpeggiators and sequencers to interlock right with the right sort of feel and swing, the right sort of delays on them, coupled to the right beat, it's not always an easy thing to do. No. Mm. Down the average, but you just put your hands on it and switch the bloody arpeggiator on. Mm. But to get to get them to, to, to give you an intrinsic sense of something that's polyrhythmic and and really is a little bit different and subtle. Yeah. I think she she does that exceptionally well. So this is uh, this piece of chosen is um emergence of nature. Yeah.
that. Ah, it's a bit of that, Yeah, it's got that yeah. sort of um, dance, you know, elements, but definitely the musicalness comes through very well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like that little bit. Just at the start, that little bit of sample and hold, but but it was like in tune. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just a start, very subtle. But just pushing that on, but mm. it's kind of random enough to throw you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, she shifts rhythms around as well. There's lots of different times you can yeah. pour in on the beat and just gently. I think it gently throws you. I, I, I like thing when when things are really well thought out. Yeah. Um, again, it reminded me of, of I keep going back to Eno, but Eno and David Byrne in my life in the Bush of Ghosts. Mm. Rhythm, rhythms created this. I'm a big fan of J.G. Ballard. I was just reading a, a, The Crystal World again, which is a fantastic little book about travelling up this river into the heart of Africa where everything's been crystallised and time slowed down. It's, just, <laughs> it's, a, it's a trip, you know, it's a mega trip. Um, Eno and, and um, David Byrne, to me, when they did My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, kind of recreated that weird, sonic, almost African yeah. escape. Yeah. Rhythms and samples. All the polyrhythms, yeah, all this cross, crossing over. That seems, this kind of building seems like a, a distant cousin and uh, mm. it takes me somewhere mm. part of Africa. Mm. Oh. It definitely has a kind of exotic feel. That's part one with our special guest, Paul Statham. Part two will be coming up soon. Yeah, In the meantime, join us on the Facebook page, the Coast, Coastal Electronauts. Yeah, join us on, on Facebook and Twitter for, for a nice uh, chat. Yeah. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week. Yeah.